0: All my days, it's episode four. The president's got one thing on his mind. The dishonest media, which has published one false story after another, with no sources, even though they pretend they have them, they make them up in many cases. Callum McDonald. Turns out he's not the only one chatting incessantly about fake news, Welcome to Trust Me, I'm a Journal, episode 4, and I'm Kyle McDonald. On today's episode, we're investigating the emergence of the Hands Up, Don't Shoot slogan. Why? Because some people say it was the start of fake news, saying the mainstream media were irresponsible in their coverage of how the slogan came about. There can be no doubt about the importance of it, but what are the facts behind some of the best-known words to fix themselves in the public's conscience Probably of this century. Here we go with episode four of Trust Me, I'm a Journal. Hello, one and all, and welcome to episode four then of Trust Me, I'm a Journal. Today, looking at Hands Up, Don't Shoot. Um, And possibly it's the first example, actually, where we're going to be really examining the responsibility of the mainstream media. Of which I'm a part, don't forget. And on that note, here's a special shout-out we got from the President of the United States this week. Where are you from? Uh, BBC. Here's another beauty. It's a good line. Impartial, free and fair. Um, uh, Mr President. Just like CNN. um, On the travel ban, uh, we could banter back and forth. On the travel ban, uh, would you accept that that was a good example of... The smooth running of government. Yeah I do, fighting. I do. Let me tell you about well, the there tra- any mistakes. Wait, in wait, that? wait. I know who you are, just wait. Now, I want to begin, actually, with a little bit of slightly different admin this week. Um, of course, we do this every episode, where we kind of work out what you're doing wrong if you're not subscribing, how you can listen if you don't already know, and how many friends you still haven't told about the fact that this podcast exists. But I want to start, actually, um, without mentioning the fact you can subscribe via iTunes to Trust Me, I'm a Journal. You can follow on SoundCloud, uh, or you can sign up to the mailing list if you're not on social media for updates. Just go to TrustMeI'mAJournal.com. I don't want to mention any of that. What I do want to do is mention an email that I've had in from Austin. Uh, thanks very much Austin um, and he is emailing from the Mississippi Gulf Coast which sounds rad. Let's all go there someday but he wanted to bring to my attention and indeed to the attention of everyone listening um, a great story about fake news um, that we uh, that we just want to mention in brief as we as we get going here so um, if you've got any other suggestions of stories that you want to cover uh, or you want me to cover uh, and chat about a little bit on the podcast just email hello at trustmeimajournal.com And, uh, yeah, this is a great example, actually, from Austin. Uh, Let me just read as he's written. There's a guy on Twitter with the handle Uncle Chaps. In the past, he's changed his picture on Twitter, as well as his screen name, to pretend to be big-time sports writers, such as in March 2016, where he pretended to be Fox Sports' Jay Glazer. Chaps tweeted that an American football team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, were signing defensive end Olivier Vernon. And defensive end, I think, you know, stands somewhere near near the goalkeeper in American football. Anyway, it turns out that that was a fake headline. Well, ESPN reporters such as Adam Schefter uh, ran with it and ended up on NFL Live. Uh, Let's have a little listen in Cincinnati. Meanwhile, we have this breaking news in here on NFL Live and it's going to continue to break in all day. We were just talking about the Dolphins pulling the transition tag off Olivier Vernon. He's staying in Florida. He's going to Jacksonville. Olivier Vernon will be joining the likes of Malik Jackson, who is also heading to Jacksonville. So there is a lot of ...of going on, Fox Sports reporting that deal that Olivier Vernon will be going to the Jacksonville Jaguars for four years and $75.5 million. <laughs> Austin has even done some of his own fact-checking, which is very much appreciated saying that Olivier Vernon actually signed an 85 million dollar contract a little bit later Uh, and uh, chaps then went on apparently to tweet about making a joke for being responsible for driving the price up Um, it's actually really really interesting, this is a a great example and I think sport actually is a really good area that perhaps uh, we should look at a little bit more closely perhaps in some future episode, some future series, Um, because sport is one where rumour and speculation are rife aren't they, especially around transfers and who's going where, there's talk in the English Premier League this week of Wayne Rooney perhaps moving on. Is it his time to clear off to China and make an absolute packet of money over there? There's all that kind of rumour and speculation, so it's actually a, a total breeding ground for fake news. Um, it's, it's really interesting, so thanks very much, Austin. Thanks for getting in touch, and uh, glad that you have uh, have been in touch. And if we do look at sport, actually, let's uh, let's chat to Uncle Chaps, but it's one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, and as I say, if you've got any other suggestions of things that you'd like to be mentioned on the podcast, if you've got great examples, then let's share them them with the crowd. Let's share them with everyone. Let's all team up and uh, and have a little chat. It's hello at trustmeimajournal.com or I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Callum AM on both of those.
1: I like downloading podcasts because you can take them with you wherever you go. So if you're on the train, you can't really listen to radios. So podcasts is the way to go.
0: And today for episode four, we're looking at Hands Up, Don't Shoot.
1: Betty Joe, where are you at? he's got his hands up there
0: for her now. An unarmed black man killed by a white Oklahoma police officer can be seen in this police video that we're listening to now walking away from officers this guy's still walking and towards his SUV car with his hands up before he approaches the driver's side door.
1: They end up following commands not for taser I think. that's I've got a feeling that's about to happen. That looks like a bad dude too, to be on something.
0: Where he then drops to the ground after being shocked with a stun gun I think he may have just been tasered. SHOT, fired! shot fired! And is then fatally shot. These are the sounds recorded by the police helicopter in Tulsa and it's among several clips released showing the shooting of 40-year-old Terence Crutcher. He was shot two and a half years after Michael Brown. Mr. Brown, aged 18 years old, was shot by police officer Darren Wilson. It drew worldwide attention, as it sparked huge protests in the otherwise quiet town of Ferguson, Missouri. His death really demonstrated the complete lack of trust between the African American community and law enforcement, not just in Ferguson, but across the United States. And it sparked a movement, the movement called Black Lives Matter, and a slogan, the slogan, hands up, don't shoot. 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 David Alexander Clark Jr. is the 64th Sheriff of Milwaukee County in Wisconsin. In 2002, Clark was appointed to the vacancy by Governor Scott McCallum and later elected that same year to his first four-year term. He was re-elected in November 2006, 2010 and 2014, and is currently serving his fourth full term. Although registered and elected as a Democrat in a heavily Democratic county, Clark frequently appears as a guest on Fox News and was a speaker at the 2016 Republican National Convention. And he thinks the emergence of hands up, don't shoot, was fake news. That's the anniversary. Uh, That
2: that, uh, fateful summer night in August of 2014, it started with the hands up, don't shoot lie that was propagated by every mainstream uh, liberal media across this country. The New York Times, The Washington Post, The L.A. Times, The Chicago Tribune, CNN, MSNBC all propagated that hands up, don't shoot lie. And it was from that time forward that this concept of fake news was talked about.
0: So, was it? Does Hands Up Don't Shoot actually capture the fact of Michael Brown's shooting? And what does it come to symbolise now? In this episode, I've linked up with a reporter from the Washington Post's fact-checking department to explore the reality of Hands Up Don't Shoot, and whether the so-called mainstream media were part of spreading a slogan that was actually fake as part of the coverage of Michael Brown's death. I think it's important to note at this point that in no way does today's investigation undermine the relevance and importance of the slogan. It represents a fundamentally frayed relationship between black people in America and the police, and it's vital that that relationship is repaired, or more incidents like the one we're talking about today will undoubtedly come along. The phrase became a rallying cry for Ferguson residents who took to the streets to protest the fatal shooting of a black 18-year-old boy by a white police officer. Witness accounts spread after the shooting that Michael Brown had his hands raised in surrender mouthing the words, don't shoot, as his last words before being shot, execution-style.
1: Dorian Johnson says he and his friend Big Mike were walking in the middle of a neighborhood street when a police car pulls up. And the officer says, get the out of the street verbatim. It was his words. Johnson says a squad car starts to leave, but goes into reverse, backing up within inches of the teens. At that time, he uh, reached out the window with his left arm. He grabbed onto my friend Big Mike's throat, and he's trying to uh, pull him in a vehicle. What little police have said differs sharply. Police say the two struggle over the officer's gun. There was at least one shot fired within the car. Mike Brown's friend says Brown was just trying to get away, not fighting for the gun. I saw the fire come out the burrow and I uh, instantly knew that it was a gun. I looked at my friend, Big Mike, and I saw that he was struck in the chest or upper reason because I saw blood splatter down his side, his right area. And at that time, we both uh, took off running. Another witness is watching from a distance. The officer gets out of his vehicle and pursues Michael as he's shooting his weapon. Michael
2: jerks his body as if he was hit. And
1: at that time, he turned around with his hands up, uh, beginning to tell the officer that he was unarmed and to tell him to stop shooting. And then he turns around, face the officer, and puts his hands up, and the officer continues to shoot him until he goes down to the ground. I watched him until his body stopped moving, and then I ran. And we just got another call stating
0: that uh, the officer involved shooting at Canfield and Cavern Susan Candiotti, CNN, New York. The gesture of raised hands became a symbol of outrage over mistreatment of unarmed black youth by police. But that narrative was called into question when a St. Louis County grand jury could not confirm those testimonies. And a recently released Department of Justice investigation report concluded the same. Yet the gesture continues to be used today. Hands up, don't shoot links directly to Michael Brown's death, and it went viral. After the shooting, St. Louis Rams players raised their hands as a symbolic gesture, entering the field before a football game. Protesters chanted, hands up, don't shoot, during rallies after a grand jury decided not to indict Officer Wilson in Brown's killing. The phrase and gesture appeared on signs, t-shirts, hashtags, memes and magazine covers. Let's hear from Michelle Yeehee Lee from the Washington Post. She's part of their fact-checking department, and she's done a really thorough investigation into Hands Up, Don't Shoot.
1: After Hands Up, Don't Shoot took off, it really didn't matter so much to people who were using it, whether hands-up, don't shoot really happened at Ferguson, Um, what the investigative findings were after that, it really just took off with its own meaning.
0: It's fair to say I think that you know mainstream media outlets as they get referred to now but sort of big media uh, channels and programs really caught on to the idea of hands-up, don't shoot as well and certainly were using the slogan in their coverage. Is that fair to say?
1: Sure and you know people were using the slogan everywhere There were many protests afterward. There were very few slogans that kind of came out of these protests and became recognizable. And I think that's what you're getting at, which Mm -hmm. is the media reporting it and showing images of people holding signs that said, hands up, don't shoot, and people chanting it during rallies. And having that being picked up by photographers, videographers, Um, reporters who are covering these events it spread out there as its own message and it was one of the key uh, messages that came out of many of these protests
0: and i think it's uh, sort of key to say at this point that the idea behind the message as you say kind of highlighting issues, race relations perhaps between police and um, and, and black people in America, that the sort of message behind the slogan is not uh, something that we're criticising or whatever today but it's the sort of emergence of it because I want to pick up on a comment from Sheriff Clark, um, who is um, from Milwaukee County, uh, David Clark. And he said that the, uh, the phenomenon of so-called fake news began in 2014 with the hands up, don't shoot claim. He called it a lie and says that many mainstream media outlets rather, um, sort of, well, propagated it is what he said. Would you describe the emergence of hands up, don't shoot as a lie?
1: I wouldn't call it a lie. Uh, First of all, lie is a very loaded word, especially here for us at the Washington Post fact checker. We don't use the word lie, and it's a Washington Post policy not to do so because lie connotes that the person using this phrase or saying something had an intent to deceive somebody had an intent um, and knew otherwise but decided to say something that was a lie in this case hands up don't shoot it there weren't all the facts at hand when it came out and by the time that the Department of Justice's investigative report came out, which was many months later, it had already taken off as a a message on its own. So at the time, it wasn't so much what the facts showed or what facts they knew, uh, people knew, people had at hand. It it was all just very up in the air. So it's hard to even call it a lie or, um, you know, to try to approach the fake news lie realm in this case.
0: And so I guess then it's worth asking how we how we should differentiate the categorization of various other things, other stories that have popped up in the last few months, uh, perhaps around the US presidential election, particularly which get categorized as fake news. How do we differentiate them from the emergence of hands up, don't shoot, which was being reported despite all the facts not being available? What distinction would you make between those?
1: Well, there is actual fake news. There are people who are sitting behind their computers and literally making things up out of nothing. That's fake news. These people who are just putting just ideas out there, completely unsubstantiated conspiracy theories with the intent to deceive people on the internet. And that's actual fake news instances of the media getting things wrong, um, you know, we're not perfect. We, we, The media makes mistakes and the media must correct all of its mistakes um, and do, do so transparently. And mistakes are not fake news. This use of the term fake news is now being thrown about to so many different instances. Basically, if you don't like the news, you just call it fake news now. And that's not really the way it should be because there's actual fake news happening and it deters from um the seriousness of actual people just making things up out of nothing and putting it all over the place and in this case uh, this is one instance where the media did not have all the facts at this time either The, um, the people who were protesting and using this as a chant after they picked up on it and heard that hands up don't shoot might have happened um the protesters picked it up, they carried the signs they um, they chanted it and it's you know if if that's happening in the news, if that is actually happening on the streets and the news is reporting it, the news is doing its job you know but maybe perhaps if somebody's reporting it and there they there could have been some type of a disclaimer to say. Well, protesters are claiming hands up, don't shoot. Uh, this is um, something that's coming out of the after, in the aftermath of the shooting. However, we do not have all the facts based on, um, you know, since the investigation has not com- uh, been completed. That's the type of disclaimer that the media can put out there. But it, in, in terms of the protesters doing it, you know, it's hard to put this in anywhere near fake news.
0: The Department of Justice's report in March 2015 on the shooting of Michael Brown found federal investigators could not confirm witness accounts that Brown signalled surrender before being killed. The department's descriptions of about 40 witness statements showed the original claims that Brown had his hands up were not accurate. Some witnesses who claimed they saw Brown's hands raised had testimonies that were inconsistent with physical and forensic evidence. Some admitted to federal investigators that they felt pressured to retell the narrative that was being spread so quickly and so ferociously after Brown's shooting. Others recanted their initial testimonies saying they would heard it through media reports or via social media. A few witnesses said Brown had his hands out to his side with his palms up as if saying what? Others said Brown's hands were not raised as he was charging at Officer Wilson. A few said Brown's hands were balled up.
1: Ultimately, investigators narrowed it down, this hands up, don't shoot claim to one witness, witness 128, who had told his family and neighbors this version of events, and then went around the neighborhood uh, telling this version. And then it kind of took off, you know, there was chaos. Um, One witness called it, a block party atmosphere that happened afterward. I don't think they actually meant an actual party, but the idea that there was a lot of chaos surrounding um, the shooting. They realized this hands up, don't shoot narrative was just not supported by the facts. And this came out in the March 2015 Department of Justice investigative reporting.
0: Was the media irresponsible in reporting that before all the facts were available?
1: You know, there's a way to report these things happening but also put out there that the facts are inconclusive at the time Um, especially in many breaking news stories or developing stories about criminal cases um, about shootings there's a lot of Information being put out there that's just unclear at the time of reporting because things are still in flux. They're developing quickly. The police have not come out with all of their investigative findings. Um, and then there's an entire process that needs to be taken place. However, reporters need to be reporting what's happening in the meantime.
0: I'm not here to defend the mainstream media. And obviously, fact-filled reporting is what democracies thrive on and what journalists always strive to achieve. In this case, it could be said that Hands Up, Don't Shoot was a vital slogan and still remains just as important today, and so the purpose of it existing remains strong. However, the way it emerged is perhaps slightly more dubious, and it does call into question the mainstream media's ability and determination to fact-check before cottoning onto something that spreads virally online. It's also worth mentioning that the same day the Department of Justice released the shooting report, it also published the results of its investigation into the Ferguson Police Department. This report highlighted systemic exploitation and racial profiling of black residents in Ferguson. The report underscored the importance of the message of Hands Up Don't Shoot. The issue of dealing with the police's use of excessive force, often directed at unarmed African-American men in the absence of subsequent accountability through the criminal justice system, remains just as important today as it was the day before the Department of Justice report was filed. The Washington Post says that it's important for them to note that the initial Hands Up Don't Shoot chant after Michael Brown's shooting has evolved into a message that's no longer connected solely to that event. A series of other fatal shootings by police occurred in the aftermath of Brown's death, and the Hands Up Don't Shoot slogan came to symbolise the need to hold law enforcement accountable. However, in terms of setting the record straight, Michelle has pointed out in her report for the Washington Post that investigators have overwhelmingly rejected witness accounts that Michael Brown had his hands up in surrender before being shot. The DOJ concluded that Officer Wilson didn't know whether Brown was armed, and acted out of self-defence and was justified in killing Michael Brown. The majority of witnesses told federal investigators that the initial claims that Brown's hands were up were not accurate. The Washington Post concludes that hands up don't shoot did not happen in Brown's killing, and it's a characterization that they call false. So in this episode, where we've been looking at the mainstream media and their responsibility when it comes to reporting facts, I thought it might be interesting to catch up with Melissa Zimders. She's doing what Facebook has actually failed to do up until now, identifying sources that cannot be trusted.
2: Melissa is an assistant professor of communication and media at Merrimack
0: College in Massachusetts. And she's created a Google Doc, which lists sites that distribute incorrect information. So
2: I actually refer to it more as a resource and... I started it as a class media literacy activity. So I gathered a bunch of um, fake news websites, um, propaganda websites, and and reliable news sources generally that use clickbait. And the idea was to talk about how um, we come across different kinds of information on social media and to figure out the best ways to categorize it.
0: What were the best ways to categorize it? What did you determine?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> I think, <laughs> It became increasingly tricky and elaborate. Um, so we talk a lot about fake news, but I think what we struggle to really deal with is propaganda. So sources that have a mix of, of true reporting um, and outright fake reporting. And that's what my students seem to have the biggest um, trouble with. And that seems to elude categorization
0: uh, the most. That's interesting. And what sort, how does the trouble that your students are having, how does that manifest itself?
2: First of all, I guess all of these websites um, and stories are designed to look like the real thing, right? So what what we understand as news and the way it looks, um, fake news websites and propaganda websites mimic that. And I think they do have some difficulty in just visually seeing that something is fake. Um, And I think they're getting better now when we think about we'll look at the language that the Washington Post or the Guardian uses versus the kind of language that Breitbart uses, for example, or 70news.wordpress.com. And so I think when we get past what it looks like to thinking about the language that's used, it gets a little easier.
0: Mm -hmm. Do any um, sort of mainstream, as they get referred to now, do any sort of mainstream outlets make it onto your resource that you've made?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think that the tricky thing is, is I've I've tried to develop this as a continuum, um, which can include mainstream sources, but as of yet, I guess there's no like nationally based mainstream uh, news outlets that are on, or you I should say nationally U.S. based mainstream mm-hmm. news outlets that are on my resource although some like really well-known ones are now included
0: but they're marked as political or reliable okay what what are some of those what would we be familiar with
2: so a lot of people recommended fox news for example
0: yeah
2: um and i think fox news is sort of in a gray area and I I chose not to add Fox News for the same reasons I didn't originally add um, like MSNBC, even though I think that they ultimately kind of do different things. Um, But like a website that I decided to include eventually was The Daily Coast. Um, And that's because of its sometimes reliance on clickbait and the fact that it does come from a political perspective. So I was trying to delineate between like Alternet or Daily Kos, which are political, but they don't sacrifice usually informational integrity in in the way that they're telling stories. Um, And so I was trying to demonstrate the difference between political, news reporting and like biased or propagandistic news reporting. So those would be two examples that are pretty well-known websites that are included in my resource.
0: Okay, so cause there was, um, earlier in the series we spoke to somebody who was um, sort of picking up on the idea of political bias and um, I guess an element of disagreeing with sites or outlets or publications that don't automatically conform to what somebody already believes and they were calling them out as fake news when actually they just disagreed.
2: Yeah, and I I'm very self reflexive about that. Um so in my normal media diet I actually read pretty widely despite my personal um political beliefs being left of left of center. Um and that's partially because my students a skew a bit conservative and I want to read some of the same things they are. My family is really conservative. Um, And so it's less about the political point of view. I'm not really interested in where it is politically, Mm -hmm. but more if I can, can I fact check the information? Are they um, putting out information that's decontextualized or exaggerated? And I'm just as mad when I see it in articles where I agree with their politics as I am in articles where I disagree generally. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. So it's that important distinction between kind of the way that a mainstream media outlet, particularly, I think it's fair to say in the US, may uh, present something based on a a bias or a persuasion of some kind, versus actually just distorting facts and distorting the truth.
2: Yes, and I think that's a really important distinction, right? Because when I teach my students this. Their, their biggest concern is media bias, right? Oh, the media is, is liberal. And I, I try to demonstrate, well, there's liberal bias, there's also corporate bias, medium bias. There's all these different factors that go into how, how a story is told. Um, but ultimately, what we need to think about is, is the information presented in a way that's reliable <laughs> versus is the information being manipulated or made up?
0: And that issue of reliability is one that lots of big outlets and big mainstream publications have come under fire for, is that kind of trust in the outlets. Why has that been yeah. eroded? And is it fair to say it's been eroded, actually? Lots of people say that you know they, they don't trust mainstream outlets anymore. Is, is it fair to say that reliability or uh, trustworthiness has decreased, if that's the right term?
2: Yes. So there are now a number of polls that support that notion. Um, One I saw uh, like a few months ago said that about 40 percent of people had um, distrust in mainstream media sources. And that varied a lot by the type of source um, with, you know, people distrusting Fox News more than The Washington Post or whatever it may be. And I just came across a Gallup poll yesterday showing how that just. Distrust also varies a lot based on one's political orientation. So, uh, conservatives or, or people who identify as Republican, um, only fourteen percent say that they trust mainstream news organizations, and it's a little over thirty percent for people who identify as Democrats. Um, so, I think that that's really interesting.
0: And then, does that then feed into the kind of popularity then of fake news? I guess so. Um, so, let's play out a scenario in that I now distrust some big organization because. Uh, Well, for whatever reason, perhaps because I don't agree with what they say, and that's kind of the underlying issue. But for whatever reason, I don't trust them anymore. And so now I'm searching for things that I agree with, and therefore I'm going to believe those, even if they're fake.
2: Exactly. And so, um, you know, this really started years ago, but it was their perception that, well, these stories are not... Uh, or these mainstream news organizations are making huge mistakes. How can we trust them? And you can go back to like 9-11 and weapons of mass destruction or, you know, Dan Rather and, and kind of his famous fub with um, John McCain. You can look at more recently with the Washington Post reporting on proper not and in this sort of shady organization or other mistakes like, um, you know, a bunch of news organizations running with, Uh, the story that CNN accidentally aired pornography, which was a a hoax based on a tweet. So the political perceptions of political bias plus these errors, which even if they're corrected, um, started a growing repository of of evidence why people shouldn't trust mainstream organizations. And that definitely leads people to turn towards um, sources that confirm what they believe and that also... uh, you know, talk about their distrust of those news organizations.
0: How do mainstream news organizations fight that? How do they build back up credibility and appeal again, once again, to people who fundamentally disagree with them and aren't going to like what they're saying?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to (laughs) be cynical, but there's a part of me thinks that there's a segment of the population that just, they won't come back. Mm. (laughs) Um, I think that there's... You know, I receive a lot of emails from people across the political spectrum, and most of them really do seem to care. Um, And many of them said that my resource encouraged them to get newspaper subscriptions or to start paying um, for their news media, um, regardless of where it is. And they, regardless of their political orientation, they wanted to know, and they wanted to know what they could do. But I do think that there's a segment of the population on on both sort of extreme sides, where no matter what mainstream media organizations do, they're already sort of seen as as lost. And this could be either because they're owned by giant corporations and that that taints them automatically on the left, um, or because they're perceived as being liberal or even conspiratorial
0: as they are sometimes on the right. That's Melissa Zimders, who's compiled a really interesting list of fake news sources, which you might want to cast your eye over as we try to combat fake news. We are leading the charge on Trust Me, I'm a Journal, and I'm very glad you're part of it. So today we've investigated Hands Up Don't Shoot, the now world famous slogan which is still vitally important to the cause of black Americans who are unjustly treated by law enforcement. Hopefully the slogan survives and hopefully the meaning behind it carries just as much weight as it did when it was intrinsically tied to the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. That's episode 4 of Trust Me, I'm a Journal. Coming up next time… Have I got fake news for you? We bring on some of the best satirical news writers to find out if they're actually the biggest fakers of them all and how their sites are suffering on social media as the world tries to stamp out the plague of fakeness. Join me next time for Trust Me, I'm a Journal. Subscribe through your podcast provider. For all the details, click TrustMeI'maJournal.com Podcast is the way to go. Trust Me, I'm a Journal is a Callum AM production. Its executive producer is John McDonald.